Well, good evening. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and I want to welcome you tonight as I want to conclude this series that we've been doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm trusting my voice will hold out. On beholding the glory, understanding real relationship with Jesus through the Old Testament tabernacle of David. And tonight we're going to do lesson 10, which is the conclusion of this particular study. And so, Lord willing, we may do other studies in the future, but I did want to go ahead and come on. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know that we've missed several of the um, things, and there's been delays over the last several weeks. So I want to go ahead and let's finish this up um, so that there'll be no further delays in it. We've looked in here at the Tabernacle of David and seen how it <clears throat> pictures for us relationship with Jesus. We've seen how it, it um, was an Old Testament pattern for that because David had a longing and a hunger for the presence of God in his life and in reality. <clears throat> and so he went after the ark. His hunger drove him to go get it and to build a tent for it. And that tent became known as the Tabernacle of David. So tonight I want us to just see about the essence of that. What really is that saying to us in the 21st century? Why should we even care about the Tabernacle of David? Well, first of all, let me remind us of the prophecy of Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, I believe it is, where it talks about the um, rebuilding that God promised to rebuild the tabernacle of David in the last days. And then in Acts chapter 15, we see James rise up under the anointing of the Spirit with a rhema word that said that, hey, I know what this is. This is the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. And it's all about relationship with Jesus Christ because Gentiles were getting saved and becoming part of the church and and they were debating over whether they had to be circumcised and, you know, do all these Jewish law and this and that. And, and James rose up and he said, oh, this is God fulfilling the Amos prophecy. He's rebuilding the tabernacle of David, which is all about relationship with Jesus, not religion. <clears throat> and so we saw, I want us to go back and just look at a few things to remember what we've studied so far as we draw to a close and bring it to us today and to the core of this whole study. I want you to understand and I want to leave that with you today. <clears throat> so, first of all, in the very first lesson, we looked at Saul on the road to Damascus. We saw how he met the true Jesus and how he left religion for a relationship. He changed, his name was changed to Paul. He was Saul. He got to know Jesus, fell in love with him, and was never the same again. He writes a little bit about that in Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence, the superiority of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. 
count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul found the excellency, the superiority of Jesus Christ, and he was never the same again. He told us the superior thing is knowing Jesus Christ. So did John the Apostle. As a matter of fact, John the Apostle says that eternal life is knowing Christ. David was the king of Israel, and yet he missed the presence of God and he sought it out, made a place for it, went and got it, and brought it back. And he writes in Psalm 27, verses 4 through 5, that he wants one thing and one thing only, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the rest of his days and to behold the beauty of the Lord. He longed to spend time in God's presence more than to sit on the throne or in his palace. He longed for the presence of God. So let's look at the core nature, this purpose of this whole study and the whole of the Tabernacle of David. I'd like for us to consider tonight that this Old Testament Tabernacle of David foreshadowed something that connects to the cross of Jesus. It pointed us to one specific thing that happened at Jesus' death, I believe. And to understand this, we need to look at a couple of things from the scripture. First of all, let's just do a brief review about the priesthood and its service. And then look at that in relation to David's tabernacle of David. The Levitical priesthood was established in the Old Testament by God through Moses. Aaron was the first high priest, and the sons of Aaron continued in the Levitical line. Large portions of the Torah were dedicated to the priesthood and the priestly service and the temple and tabernacle of Dave, uh, tabernacle of Moses, excuse me. It revolved around that special building, the tabernacle of Moses in that time. God told Moses to build it for him according to Exodus 25:8 so that he could dwell with his people. That's always been God's desire. That's why he made man and Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden in the first place was to dwell with us, to have relationship with people. That's what he's always been after. That's what he's still after today. And so he wanted to dwell with his people. So he had Moses build this place and there were specific instructions about everything included in this place, the furniture, the vessels, the, the curtains, everything. There was one special thing that was built there and it was called the veil. It was the veil that was a divider, a separator between the holy place and the most holy place. And that divider was known as the veil that separated them. And it was a very heavy veil. It was made from specific materials and a specific pattern that God gave to Moses. It separated 
No one could pass behind that veil except the high priest only, and he could only go there one day every year, the Day of Atonement of Yom, or Yom Kippur. That was the only time he was allowed back there in the very presence of God, because what was behind the veil, in one place he's called the mystery behind the veil. Maybe they used that because none of the others in, in Israel got to see him, but there was a mystery to God, and there still is a mystery to God and to his presence. He's far greater than any of us can ever fully comprehend or imagine. But he dwelt behind the veil. His very presence was back there. And he was so holy that the high priest could only go back there one day a year and only with the blood could he enter, even on that day. He could not come without the blood. Beloved, God is holy. And yet he longs for relationship. So he had to build the veil. He had to have them make the veil because they couldn't handle his presence at that time. He's a consuming fire. And if we don't come because of the blood and by the blood, we would be eaten alive. We would be caught up and, and consumed by that fire. And God loves us enough that he had Moses build a veil to protect them from that and to conceal him until a certain time came when it was the right time. So Jesus' death, at the moment of Jesus' death, let's read it right here in Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, at that very moment, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. This veil was torn at Jesus' death. Three of the gospel authors specifically mention this. This meant that at that moment, when Jesus was the last sacrifice, the only, the final, once for all time sacrifice. And his blood was spilled. The way was now open for an access to God. No more divider. There was a new and living way opened to God's presence. No more separation. I'm going to give you these scriptures. You can look them up. But in Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16, it tells us, Because of Jesus, our great high priest, and the new and living way he's made, this passage and Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 20, both tell us that we can now, because of the new and living way, through the blood of Jesus, we still come by the blood. But it's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's the blood of Jesus Christ who has opened for us a brand new way and access to come to God. And with his, in his blood, through him, 
we can come boldly to his presence and have relationship with him. Talk to him. Have him talk to us. Hear him talk to us. Love him. Worship him. Receive his favor and his blessing. All of that was done through Jesus Christ. Payment. Free and open access to God was given to us through his death of his body, which in another place in Hebrews is called the veil, his flesh. And the actual veil in the temple tore in that very moment. From top to bottom, it could only have been done by the hand of God. Never before had there been free and open access directly to God's holy presence. But there was one person in one time in the Old Testament that pictures that open access for us. It gives us a shadow. It gives us a type and a shadow of what happened ultimately and fully at the cross of Jesus Christ when the veil was torn. And that was with David and the tabernacle of David. There were three offices in the Old Testament. There was the prophet, the priest, and the king. And usually there was only one person that would hold, you know, one, maybe two of those could be held by the same person. Jesus was the only real fulfillment of the one man who could hold all three of those offices. But in the Old Testament, we see a type of Christ that comes the closest to holding all three of those, and that was David. We know David was king. We know he was prophet. Many of his psalms are prophetic psalms. For instance, Psalms chapter 2, Psalm chapter 110, Psalm chapter 22 prophetically speaks of the cross of Jesus Christ and what Christ went through before a thousand years before Jesus Christ ever died on that cross. And then there was the office of the priest. David was from the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi. So he could not officially be priest. And he never officially served as priest. But there were times when he did come fairly close at least, in, in some shadow form of showing us Jesus as both king, prophet, and priest. There was the time when he was hungry, and he went in and he got the showbread when he was hungry in 1 Samuel chapter 21. And he ate the holy showbread, which was only for the priests. Jesus refers to that in Matthew chapter 12, and he, is never, he never reprimands David as David doing anything wrong in that, in that instance. David wore a linen ephod at times when he was getting the ark and returning it to Jerusalem. And he also blessed the priest, at the, I mean blessed the people at the dedication of the tabernacle of David, which was normally the job of the priest. But I believe the greatest testimony of David serving 
in a sense, at least in a type and shadow of priest, was in the secret place of the tabernacle of David. That open access to the very presence of God. Because in the tabernacle of David, the only items in there was the Ark of the Covenant with its mercy seat, representing the very presence of God. And so in the tabernacle of David, we see the foreshadowing of the torn veil, meaning open access to God's presence, to dwelling and having a relationship with him. Open fellowship directly with God. Open worship of God. The torn veil was not some afterthought at the cross, but it was already foreshadowed right here a thousand years earlier in the tabernacle of David. God is rebuilding the tabernacle of David today. He has been six Acts chapter 15. And according to Hebrews 4, 16, because of the blood of Jesus, and through the blood of Jesus, he gives us an open invitation to come boldly. Open access is available to us. I want to read two scriptures as we close down. I believe I'm going to read the second one. But in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. Song of Solomon is a beautiful song, a beautiful writing that Solomon wrote as a love story. And it's really to depict Jesus Christ and his church. That's what it's really shadowing, is the love story between Jesus and his bride. And so the beloved in Solomon's song represents Jesus in a sense. And so he is speaking here. No, I'm sorry. The wife is speaking here, but she's repeating what the beloved said to her, the invitation he gave her. In Song of Solomon 2.10, My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. That's what the tabernacle of David is all about. It's coming away. It's coming in to the very presence of God. It's coming and stealing away with God in real relationship. It's coming away to be in his presence, to be in that secret place and spend time with our love. Did you know that your beloved Jesus loves to spend time in relationship with us through prayer, through worship, through quiet times with him. He is calling his bride to come away, to come into his presence. And did you know when we do that, will never be the same. Second Corinthians 3.18 tells us, 
It says this, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The name of this study, beholding the glory. We as with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord, from one level of glory to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, until we finally are in His very presence in that day when we will see Him face to face. Here, it's like Paul says, we're looking at Him through unveiled face, but we're beholding His glory. And as we do, we're being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. We're being changed. We'll never be the same. His glorious presence is making us new and making us beautiful. And I want to conclude with the thing that started us on this journey to begin with in this particular study. The thing that prompted David to long for the presence of God, and it was out of this longing that he built the tabernacle of David and it became the pattern for us of the torn veil, open access to Jesus, to a real relationship with our God in his very presence. And it's Psalm chapter 27, verses 4 and 5. One thing I have desired of the Lord, David says, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And that word inquire is talking about admiring him, considering him, oh, respecting him and admiring him, giving our, him our adoration. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Beloved, I pray that as God is restoring the tabernacle of David, even today, just like he began doing 2,000 years ago, the tabernacle of David is alive and well. Real relationship with Jesus Christ is occurring, and you can be a part of that. You can be in relationship with Jesus. If you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, I implore you right now to call upon him, to repent of your sins, ask his forgiveness, and cry out to him right now to be saved, and he will place you in a relationship with him. And it will be the start of a brand new life that is better than anything you could ever imagine. He will save you. And he will give you that relationship. And if you already know him, oh, beloved, let the beloved call to you. Come away with him. Come away with him. Find the beauty of being in God's presence and beholding his, his glory and his majesty. 
accept his invitation today and find the beautiful God there, just like David did. I encourage you to behold his glory. Be in his beautiful presence. Behold his beauty all the days of your life as well. May God bless you through this study. In Jesus' name, thank you for joining me.